on Podcast 1863, the Hyundai Ioniq 5N, Hummer adds range, and the Rivian dual motor. Stick around, those stories and more. Plus, we will talk the Rivian pass-through charging cable idea, legal hurdles for Ford's Michigan EV battery plant, and Tesla could be cropping up in India with a new factory. A lot more to talk about on today's podcast. Well, we're trying a new thing, so you know when to expect a show. We go live at 5 UK, that's midday Eastern. Patreon supporters get the episodes first as soon as they're ready and ad-free. Be like them by clicking on a link in the show notes. I have reopened Patreon support. I had to close it for a couple of weeks. I didn't want to bill anyone for July because I was off in June unexpectedly and uh, and, to di- and that means you can't have new signups which kind of makes sense but anyway I have now reopened Patreon support for anybody at five ten dollars or maybe more per month to get this show on the air every penny really does go towards paying the bills well good morning good afternoon or good evening wherever you are in the world EV News Daily is your trusted source of EV information for Friday 13th of July my name is Martin Lee and I go through every EV story in the last 24 hours, so you don't have to. Well, the Goodwood Festival of Speed, like many motor shows over the last couple of years, is turning into effectively uh, an electric vehicle event with the Audi Hunitron. I mentioned that yesterday, the tribute to the original Quattro, driven up the hill by the Le Mans legend Tom Christensen. Porsche's Mission X, a potential supercar on display at the Porsche stand. Pininfarina Batista's Nino Farina hypercar. A design inspired by the first F1 World Championship was driven up the hill by Nick Heidfeld. Caterham's Project V, mentioned that yesterday, uh, an EV sports car weighing under 1,200 kilograms on display but not running this year. The McMurtry Spearling Pure is the fan-powered aero car. That went up the hill. Other cars driven were the AIM EV Sport, the BMW i5, the all-electric 5 Series, the Hyundai Arnic 5N, MG's EX4, the Alpine A290B, which is a sporty version of the running 5 EV, uh, Lotus Electra R, and a lot more. Polestar showcased its entire lineup at the Goodwood Festival of Speed yesterday, including the Polestar 3, that's the electric SUV, and the Polestar 5, that's a prototype making its day still fully camouflaged for the five uh, it's still a prototype launching next year aggressively sculpted front and rear bumpers flush door handles no rear screen no rear window it's a body body panel instead uh, the polestar 5 will offer over 870 horsepower dual motor all-wheel drive 600 kilometers of range that's 372 miles whereas the polestar 3 uh, and the updated polestar 2 the one with the rear wheel drive uh, not front wheel drive anymore and a bit more range uh, also a goodwood and the polestar roadster concept on display polestar 3 by the way available for online orders and soon i think it's going to show up in those polestar spaces uh, the shops the physical places and deliveries will expand I think quarter two, I'll chase that one up. So uh, Polestar 3, maybe just over six months away, a bit more than that actually from deliveries. Now let's get into what really is the meat of today's podcast and that is the Hyundai Arnic 5N, a race-ready EV. Now the Arnic 5, it was already one of the most exciting cars out because it was the first one on the eGMP platform that the Kias used, the Genesis used, but able to make the most of 800 volt charging and a lot of it on an 800 volt architecture for the car as well making some improvements, iterative improvements over the years that it's been out a couple of years. There is a new platform coming from Hyundai Group, by the way, for the next-gen EVs. But for now, this one 
is about the best you can get for sensible money. If you want an 800 volt charging car and you haven't got Tycon money or Etron GT money, then these cars are great. I had a quick look before I recorded the podcast and the Hyundai Arnic 5. Okay, it comes with a smaller battery and it's been out a couple of years, but you can get that for 30-something thousand pounds now as a used vehicle, which is great because that's Kona money. Well, it was a year ago. Kona's gone down in value as well as the prices have corrected a bit, but that starts to get a, a little more achievable. I know it's still a lot of money, but now Hyundai feel it's the right time to bring the N version. Uh, the first all-electric N car. Performance badge, of course, with Hyundai and the N badging. And it's been overhauled. It's got new styling. It's longer. It's got aero tweaks. And more importantly, performance upgrades. You can get it in either front motor or dual motor, but I think they only really wanted to talk about the dual motor setup at launch. The dual motor setup is 640 horsepower with N. GB mode. NGB stands for N Grin Boost, a bit like WTF mode. Uh, uh, what was that? Is that the uh, the Hummer? Is it Watts to Freedom? Yeah, that's what it stands for. Um, but NGB N Grin Boost, kind of a silly name, but I also kind of like it as well. Uh, double the power of the standard Arnic Five, not to sixty two miles an hour or one hundred kph, three point four seconds. Top speed, 161 miles an hour. It's the fastest and highest performing N production car Hyundai's ever made. And, oh, what a surprise. It's electric because, well, that's what EVs will do for you. Hyundai Arnic 5 N has the same battery pack as the standard Arnic 5. Now, I've seen this over the last few hours. A couple of videos are out. Uh, by the way, Johnny Smith's Late Break Show, brilliant, as always. Um, his uh, great, fantastic 15-minute walk around. He couldn't drive it. I watched that one. I saw some others in my feed and obviously read extensively online about this. Now, I've noticed some articles saying, oh, it's got a new battery pack and it's bigger. I don't think it is, if you read the press release. It's the same battery pack as the standard Arnic 5, but with revised battery chemistry. And that I suppose, yeah, I suppose you could call it a new battery pack, but um, it, it's a slight improvement of the chemistry, but that does slightly improve the usable capacity that they have unlocked. That's normally a 77.4 usable capacity battery pack, and they're unlocking 84 kilowatt hours now to use. To do that, they've added new thermal management to the battery and the components, uh, new stacked radiators, better oil and battery chillers, more air intake vents. You can control the cooling of the battery depending on your driving style. It's got drag mode for a sudden burst of power. It's got track mode for optimum lap time. The exterior modifications, like the wider front and rear bumpers, and like I say, the car is longer as well because the bumpers are bigger. It's got active air flaps, uh, a big rear wing, massive diffuser underneath. It looks proper boy racer, but in a kind of grown-up way. Uh, they are functional. It's not just to make it look decent at the traffic lights. It will also scamper away very quickly thanks to these brilliant aero bits. Inside, front bucket seats in cloth or uh, and leather or faux suede and leather. And you may remember, if you've seen it, if you've driven it, if you've owned it, the Arnic 5 uh, has those really great kind of recliner, they call them zero-gravity seats. Right? They, they go all the way back, your legs come up. If you're charging for 20 minutes, because it will charge quickly on a good day, uh, it will be a comfortable place to be. That's all gone. These are racing seats. And inside as well, uh, there's also some more buttons, and they're red, which looks angry 
which is great. Uh, there's two N mode quick select buttons, a standard drive mode selection toggle, and the NGB button, N grin boost button on the steering wheel. Different steering wheel, by the way, not a two spoke, but it's a three spoke racing steering wheel. New brakes, Steelys, uh, there's no carbon option on the brakes, carbon ceramic, but uh, the regen braking will do, they say, a lot of the heavy lifting. New suspension, new steering, uh, 21-inch forged aluminium wheels on Pirelli P0 custom tyres. To appeal to the combustion car enthusiasts out there, this is perhaps divisive, but I think you've got to try it and make your mind up. Hyundai has introduced a simulated gearbox. The simulated gear, we knew it was coming because they talked about it and the engineers have been raving about it uh, and I have I have thrown a little cold water on it until now, but I, I want to try it and it, I might love it. It's a simulated gearbox and it's called NE Shift and it simulates an eight-speed dual-clutch transmission as if this were an internal combustion engine. And the reason I had a problem with that is because EVs don't need to have an eight-speed gearbox because the power delivery is more linear. Linear Gearboxes exist to keep a combustion engine, which in its itself is inherently inefficient, in the right rev band in order to extract maximum power. With EVs, you don't need that. Why would you want to simulate an eight-speed gearbox? They say that it helps the driving experience. It'll simulate a gear shift by controlling the torque to the motors. It'll simulate a missed gear shift. Why would you want to do that in an EV? I'd love to get it. I might love it. I might try it, you know, on a track or something and think, well, this is brilliant. It's fun. I don't think I will, but let's give it a go. Uh, the simulated gearbox has a system of simulated engine sounds called N-Active Sound Plus, which will deliver sounds like an internal combustion engine and exhaust sounds. Uh, in Johnny Smith's video, uh, when he opens the door to have a look inside, the car is running, as in it was switched on, and in combustion mode. And so the rev counter was sort of like 500 rpm it was it was off you know because normally in an ev you turn it on it's just it's just on and it was showing some revs and it was going like an engine ticking over i find this all really weird by the way is it just me i'm i'm talking to you about it and i kind of had to stop myself and go this is bonkers anyway if you want your electric car to sit an idle like a combustion car. Hyundai think that's what you want uh, with with performance cars. Either way, uh, as Johnny says, you can turn it off. You can turn all of that off. And I absolutely, I'd probably play with it for three seconds and go, that's rubbish, turn it off. It has 10 speakers, eight inside, two on the outside to play pops and bangs and exhaust noises. Oh, I'm just, I'm talking to you about it. I'm hating it more and more. I've been trying to remain really open-minded, but it's just... Why buy an electric car if what ultimately you want is a combustion car that has all that drama? Because it's fun. It puts a smile on your face. I get that. EVs are different. Why do we have to throw back? This is the future. Anyway, they look like they've done a great job with uh, specific suspension calibrations, bushing tolerances, three-position controlled dampers, new spring tuning. It all looks proper racy, by the way and new lower control arms. The Arnic 5 is equipped with the biggest brakes that they've ever put on a car. Four-piston calipers squeezing 15.7-inch rotors at the front and 14-inch rotors at the back. And the Arnic 5 will arrive early in 2024. 
So what do you think of this car? Um, ignore my minor rant about its um, mimicry of combustion. I think this is, I think this is uh, absolutely brilliant for Hyundai to do. Didn't need to do this, but it positions them as interesting as a performance brand it's a halo vehicle might not be everything something that everybody can afford to buy or even wants to buy and by the way no pricing on this and no it won't be cheap but it just elevates hyundai group as doing something really really interesting it'll get a ton of youtube videos and column inches written by the automotive press people get excited it won't sell in massive numbers but that's not the point it's that they've done it and let their engineers go and do it it's my my frustration with Toyota all the time is like that. If Toyota wanted to make a good EV, they could. They just don't want to. Like they've got the engineers, and Hyundai have said, "Go on, go and have a play." And what they, I think, have made looks amazing. Ah, I can't wait to drive it. It's going to be so interesting, and it looks it looks proper as well. If that makes sense, even if you never ever stamp on the loud pedal, it looks proper. You'd when you walk away and lock the car, you do the little look over the shoulder every every time in the supermarket car park. You'd be like, that's my car. That's nice, that is. It looks, it looks proper. Let me know your thoughts. I'd love to know. And what do you think about the whole combustion mimicry? Not for me, but you can turn it off. So that's probably okay. Right, uh, we'll take a little breaky-poo. And after the break, we'll talk Rivian and Hummer and mm, things aren't going so well for Ford's Michigan EV battery plant uh, with some legal hurdles to overcome stick around uh, those stories and a lot more coming up next if you like the podcast ad free you can be like all of our patreon supporters and sign up uh, by patreon p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash ev news daily five dollars ten dollars a month or more you get more benefits uh, uh, the more you support we'll uh, remove the ads for you and you get the podcast sooner as well back in a sec okay let's talk about the hummer ev 3x pickup an update for more range and a new model year 355 miles goes to 381 miles with the 24 module battery pack the standard is now the um, 20 module unit previously 24 modules was standard the range estimate of 381 miles is with the 22 inch wheels and 35 inch all-terrain tires if you go for the extreme off-road package then you get the 18 inch wheels and the big mud terrain tires it obviously takes a range hit down to 359 miles. And the Hummer EV pickup doesn't require EPA testing because it's so damn heavy. But they still use the EPA test cycle. 24-module uh, battery pack is the option to get if you want maximum acceleration uh, because the Watts to Freedom mode, WTF mode, launch control, not 60 miles per hour, uh, is done in three... Is it three seconds? 3.5 seconds? I must look that up. Um, Hummer EV comes really well equipped. Uh, standard is uh, rear-wheel steering with crab walk, diagonal, uh, diagonal driving, adaptive air suspension, Super Cruise, they've now mapped 400,000 miles of roads in the US and Canada, towing 8,500 pounds and adding four additional underbody cameras for a total of 18 camera views and new underbody protection, skid plates and shields for the batteries and motors. Starting at 107,000 US dollars and the pickup is a little more than the SUV, the SUV starting at $100,000. Reservations, they say, have topped 90,000 now, but they're only making a handful of them at the minute. Production hasn't ramped for the Hummer and you can understand why because the battery is massive and it's a stupid vehicle, but... 90,000 reservations, how many of those will turn into actual orders when 
the time comes to convert your reservation into an order, because they're just not making any of them. They really do need to ramp that soon and get hold of uh, more of those cells and start cranking them out in more than just, you know, couple here, couple there. Now, Let's talk Rivians. The Rivian R1T dual motor. Uh, it doesn't sacrifice too much over the quad motor. It's got 533 horsepower, up to 665 horsepower if you add $5,000 of the performance package. The battery is 128.9 kilowatt hours uh, for that 352 miles of range, but the bigger wheels drop the range by only by about 10 miles or so. The dual motor version splits the output across the front and rear axles, brake torque vectoring, then slows down uh, the wheels and offers the most traction, which does reduce the off-road ability a little bit, where four-wheel vectoring is key if you want every last bit of traction. Uh, but if you don't care about winning drag races or going off-road extreme-wise, uh, then you can skip the performance package, save that money. Uh, you still get a really amazing Rivian, four and a half seconds, not to 60. Dual motor version has those in-house enduro drive units that Rivian are so proud of. Uh, they had to shift around some of the EDV assembly, the uh, Amazon van, earlier this year to sort out their own motor production but that's what you get in this rather than having to go for the quad motor version. I think that should be really popular with Rivian buyers as well because there's you know, just so much performance in these um, these electric off-roaders, these electric SUVs. You just don't need all of it 99% of the time, if actually if ever. And so save some money and get the dual motor version, which is still a fantastic vehicle over the quad motor. Rivian also filing a patent application for a pass-through charging system that would allow its EV trucks to pass the current from one to the next one. The system described in the application would solve the problem of multiple vehicles being charged in a single location where there's just one charger. Uh, The system would essentially turn EVs into an extension cord, daisy chaining, if you like, in sort of the old parlance of, you know, 1990s PC building. Um, One vehicle could plug into a DC fast charger, and then the second vehicle would plug into the first vehicle, and a switching device on board the Rivian would send the power either to the battery pack or pass it through to the next one. And the patent drawings include uh, the CCS connector, AC or DC, not mentioning the Tesla NAX connector at this stage. It could be used where space is an issue if you park two vehicles close together, for instance, in a, in a private garage and you've only got one charger on the wall and you want it to share the charging between two vehicles. Pass-through charging seems like a useful thing that perhaps isn't for everybody, but it's a great idea. And this patent application being filed also includes... Details about some improved fast charging ideas they've got and better air cooling and to improve accessibility for its customers. Rivian also committed to the Tesla Supercharger Network, the NACS, NACS, North American Charging Standard Connector, um, and also mentioning things like the a better route planner integration as well to help people navigate to chargers. I think Rivian are doing all the right things for their, their buyers at the moment. Now, let's go to Ford next, and the under-construction EV battery plant, Blue Oval Battery Park in Michigan, is facing some legal challenges from local residents where the plant is being built. The group have named themselves the Committee for Marshall Not Megasite. It wants to reduce the size of the plant. The committee is attempting to repeal the request that's already been approved for the site. They want the issue to go to a public vote. A judge has temporarily blocked Ford and the state from intervening in the case, and hopefully that will have some sense prevailing, because all of these kind of places often provide high-paying 
well-paid, well-trained uh, job with decent career prospects uh, as well. No, I mean, nothing wrong with doing a career that it doesn't doesn't have that. But if you want to move into something like battery making, EV making, charger making, you know, power electronics and, you know, reskill, then that's potentially a job for life if you want it, because these jobs are not going away and they're really well paid. So kind of a shame to see, but I'm sure there's more issues uh, that the locals would, you know, would raise if they're worried about uh, things coming to their, you know, their local area. If it's if it's full of kind of nature at the moment and uh, they, they love that area, then uh, hopefully that gets that gets resolved right let's finish off with a couple of tesla stories because i've got time i've not rambled too much today firstly new software update coming out for teslas which give uh, an over-the-air update which gives uh, uh the the <laughs> the wipers uh now control on the steering wheel which is requested by many model 3 and model y owners i can't believe we're talking about how to control <laughs> windscreen wipers 2023 but yes tesla quite famously uh don't do windscreen wipers very well this new update allows the drivers to customize the left steering wheel to adjust the speed of the wipers turn them on and off we'll just set them to auto users could previously adjust the wiper speed by tilting the scroll wheel left and right but it only worked after pressing the left stalk button to activate the wipers elon musk recently apologized for the poor performance of auto sensing which he you know everyone knows doesn't work on teslas uh they want the, they wanted this big neural net uh the partly based on you know video cameras and sensors and the weather forecast in your local area uh, but everyone knows that tesla wipers just come on at random times and then don't come on when it's raining and so please just let us control things like heating and windscreen wipers and which gear to select forwards or backwards can we just have some you know middle ground and all of this technology as well so that's coming back into tesla cars new software update also improves uh, full self-driving uh, a new smartphone app feature that allows you to set a pin code that has to be entered before driving off that's a really good move one of my favorite things about teslas is how secure you can make them a uh, new screen that shows how many miles it's been since your last tire service in fact all really good stuff oh and and actually a new feature on the app you can preview any of the cars video cameras i think that's new for this update um, as well which again is just brilliant just leading the way so well in some some areas let's go to china and tesla's shanghai factory is celebrating a one millionth model y not officially confirmed by tesla but i think i can go with this story the first wholly foreign owned ev automotive manufacturing facility in china was tesla shanghai big milestone for the model y the factory began operations at the end of 2019 with the model 3 model y was added in 2021 and now here we are in 2023 and one million model y's have come out of that factory just a huge a huge success story in shanghai in q2 earlier this year uh, 247,000 china-made vehicles uh, were sold by tesla that's 53 percent of their global deliveries the locally produced three and y uh, are, are very good cars and the y has surpassed the model three in sales by the way to be one of china's best-selling suvs they're going to retool that shanghai plant i think i've mentioned it a couple of times on the podcast 
already. A revamped version of the Model 3 is coming, codenamed Highland. That'll go into production in Shanghai, we think, August or September. It's soon, anyway. And in addition to that, there's also a revised Model Y called Project Juniper. That's more of a 2024 project. Elon Musk recently visited the Gigafactory in Shanghai, praising the Chinese team for overcoming challenges and making efficient and high-quality vehicles. But what about Germany, their other site that doesn't get as much attention these days? Tesla has submitted applications for the expansion of their German plant, and that happened, the first ones went back in in March earlier this year. They want to increase their production capacity from the current half a million units a year to one million electric cars per year. The expansion will include an increase in battery storage production, and Tesla's previously postponed its plans for series production of battery cells in Germany to prioritise the USA because the subsidies issue, but they say they're still committed long-term to batteries in Germany. Uh, The expansion of the vehicle production site in Germany will involve constructing more large halls for more production units and changes and optimizations to the already uh, facilities that are in place. And also doing things a bit differently because Tesla quite famously, I think, uh, with the permitting, only ever had temporary permits and just went ahead and built the site, hoping that they would get final approval. This time, it looks like they're going through the comprehensive permitting process first, and then they'll start building when that's done. And finally, just to finish off with a Tesla quickie, they have submitted an initial proposal to establish manufacturing operations in India, making it potentially uh, you know, uh, one of the big car makers there alongside Maruti and Hyundai. They plan to build a gigafactory with an annual capacity of about half a million cars in India. They're talking to the Indian government officials now, holding further meetings to discuss plans and possible sites. And, you know, with the labour rates in India, you would think that would perhaps open up perhaps the $25,000 cheaper Model 2, whatever you want to call it. Interesting stuff. That's your podcast for today. Thank you so much to our premium partners, Phil Roberts of Electric Future, Porsche of The Village in Cincinnati, Audi of Cincinnati East, Volvo Cars of Cincinnati East, National Car Charging on the US mainland, and Aloha Charge in Hawaii. Big week for them with the Nevi funding and the Tritium Chargers going into Hawaii. Derek Riley's EV Review Ireland YouTube channel, Octopus Electroverse Global Public Charging Made Simple with one app and one map, and Lease Plan Electric Moments, providing all the tools and guidance EV drivers need. Have a good see you tomorrow for your Saturday edition. And remember, there is no such thing as a self-charging hybrid.